This is the download from um, Nancy Leland Church. We meet every 7:30 a.m. in the Nancy Leland Church building.
Thanks, Kasha. Bibles with you? Or so before iPads or iPhones or uh, visual? <laughs> Can't wait to have like the funny press a button and you know the preacher just appears. You don't, you know, just visual sort of thing from your watch or something. You know, John 8 verse 32. I'm going to read one verse. I want to speak about being free, the power of freedom. John 8 and verse 32. Jesus says, And you, that's you, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When Jesus speaks about that, he's talking, he's talking to people really who, who really kind of are struggling with this whole aspect, this whole kind of concept of freedom. They really don't really understand the, the real concept of freedom. I want you to get a hold of one word there. It says that you will know the truth. You know, the, tr- the word truth actually means reality. I mean, realize that. It means absolute reality. And I think this is the power that... that what Jesus wants, real freedom, is knowing really the reality of Jesus. Knowing that he is so real. How many believe that? He could be, be more real to you than anyone in this room. How many realize that? You can know him in such a real way. Someone who's so close and so near. Not someone who's kind of distant or far away, but someone who's so near. And, and you have this intimacy, you have this closeness. With him. You know him as a reality. And Jesus says that, that when you know my reality, when you know me so close, when you know me in a real, real way, then the way you know me in such a real way, that reality, if you like, that sense, that awareness of knowing me in a real way, the result of that is freedom. Isn't that awesome? Really, what is the truth? The truth, really, is what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And the truth of who God really is. And so when I know the reality of what the cross has done, it's real, real to me. It's not just some part of history, but I know the the full reality of the cross and the power of the cross. What the cross has totally and completely achieved. And it's real to me. And and what who God is. The the true reality of who God really is. this, This loving God, this powerful God, this awesome God. When I know the reality of that, then that truth sets me free. You know, I was thinking about Jesus. I was just thinking the other day that, you know, when, if you were to see Jesus in a crowd, I don't believe that he stood out because he had a bright white coat on, or a bright white gown on, and he kind of walked above the earth, if you like, and he had a lamb under his arm. That's not what made Jesus stand out. I think the thing that really made Jesus stand out in the crowd was the fact he was so free. He was so joyful. You know, Jesus was the most joyful person ever lived. Because the Bible says he was anointed with joy above his brethren. He was the most joyful, free person that ever lived. And he said, I want you to know the freedom that I right now am living in. And that word know actually means 
not mental, not just a mental understanding. The word know actually means that you know it by experience. You live in the experience of it. You live in the reality and, and the power of it. He says you, you'll know it as an experience. You'll live it out on a day-to-day basis. You'll know the truth of what I've done on the cross. You'll know the truth of who I really am. And that truth that you know, because the, also the word know means that you become intimately acquainted with it. You live out the truth. You're intimately acquainted with the truth. How many of you don't realize the Bible calls the devil the father of what? Lies. How do you really overcome a lie? You overcome the lie by the truth. And when the truth kind of grabs a hold of your heart and that you are intimately acquainted and you experience and you live out the truth, then that truth will set you free. How's awesome, how awesome is that? The truth also means nothing hidden. And Jesus is like, oh, he doesn't, all it means is nothing in, nothing in pretense. And Jesus says, I don't want you to live in freedom as something that is just a pretense. You don't pretend to be free. You don't, it's not just an outward thing. It's not living a, a life of pretense. But true freedom is right in the core of your being. It's right in the core of your heart. It's something you live out on a day-to-day experience. You're not hiding it. You're, you're just living it out. You're not pretending to be free. You live in the true and reality of it. Because I think the one thing that the enemy works very, very powerfully in is in pretense when something, isn't, when something is a pretense rather than a reality inside us. Can you say amen? You'll know the truth. You're no longer to live. You, you'll know true, powerful freedom. How many say freedom's awesome? Freedom is so important. See, God wants you to live a life that's not controlled by anything. You're not controlled by, by people. You're not controlled by your circumstances. You're not controlled by, by tormenting and accusing thoughts. You're not controlled by guilt. You're not controlled by accusations. You're just free. And when you're free, something incredible happens. You're free to love the way God calls you to love. You're free, as we said earlier, we're free to praise him. We're not, we're not bound. We're not held back. We're just free to praise him as he, as he desires. You're free to be all that God calls you to be. You're free to give. You're, 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 you're free to witness to him. Nothing holds you back. You're not limited. You're not restricted. You're living in this incredible freedom that Jesus says, that's the way I want you to live. You know, you experience, you encounter the reality of my truth. And that truth brings you into a realm and a place of liberty and freedom. And actually, above all else, that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be absolutely, totally free. Not limited, not held down, not bound, but you're just so free. I said last week, isn't it awesome that all of us are different? <laughs> all of us are different. We've all got different personalities. We all, we're all, every one of us is different. Aren't you glad about that? <laughs> Aren't you glad no, everyone's, you know, everybody's not like you? But you know, we're all free, we're all unique. And the amazing thing, God takes your uniqueness and expresses himself through your uniqueness. But he can't fully express himself through your uniqueness if you're not free. Because you can only freely express all that God has called you to be 
when you're living in liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, that is what? Liberty. And there is freedom. Amen. Now, Jesus, because I believe one of the things is, is that Jesus was, remember Jesus was baptized. And when he was baptized, after he was baptized, the Bible says the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. And there he was tempted by the devil. I want you to see something. The reason why the devil was coming to tempt Jesus, and he tempted him in three certain ways, three aspects, we'll look at in a moment. But the, the, way, the reason why he wanted to tempt Jesus was he wanted to bring him into bondage. He wanted him to be a person not free, not liberated. And so the idea of the temptation was to break the freedom that Jesus had and to bring him under his power, under his control. And you think about what the temptations were. Think about what, how they came in. There's the first one. And they said to him, take the stones and make them into bread. You know what that temptation was all about? It was all about focus on yourself. Become self-indulgent. Do something amazing to meet the need. Make bread out of stone. You know, take care of yourself. You deserve it. Depend on yourself. Rely on yourself. You can do it. Just You don't need the Father. You can just do it all by yourself. Turn these stones into bread. You don't need anybody else. All you need is you. That was really the essence of the temptation. This sense of self-focus and indulge yourself. And that's what Jesus has come to set us free from. The desire to do it by ourselves. The desire to self-indulge ourselves. In other words, it was saying, Jesus, break the fast, rely on yourself, break your time with your Father. Begin to take matters into your own hands. Look after your number one. If you don't, have to look, if you don't look after number one, nobody else is going to do it. How many have heard that? Become self-reliant. Become you know, a self-made person. You don't need anybody else. How many realize that's, a, that's what binds people up? That's what brings people into bondage. And Jesus said, in other words, you're saying, Jesus, take the easy way out. You just worship me, and you can have it all. Just do it. Just live an independent, self-sufficient life. Jesus says, get you beyond me saying, I'm glad about that. He overcome this temptation to want to be self-indulgent and self-independent. Remember Adam and Eve in the, when they were in the garden? You think about this. This is powerful. God said Everything was yes, except for one no. Isn't that interesting? He said, everything's yours except one thing. And the enemy tempted them on the what? On the one no. He said, you can have everything except for this one thing. And that's the one thing the enemy tried to take them against. Almost it's like this picture. The father was saying the one thing, it's almost the one thing would be like this. Don't go and play in traffic. Because if you play in traffic, it's not good. 
because you could be enjoying walking in my field, if you like. And there's the great temptation of the enemy. I think the, the one reason, one of the one things the enemy deceives us in, one of the things that people get bound up in, is because we lose sight how much we need Jesus. How really he wants to become to us. Because the more you rely and depend upon him, the more free you become. I found more and more as I've read and thought about this, that Jesus is into freedom more than ever realized. You know what the first sermon he ever preached? The first thing he ever preached, his first sermon was, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Awesome, the Spirit of the Lord is just absolutely all over me. And the Spirit of the Lord is all over me because he wants me to do something. He wants me to bring people into liberty and freedom. He wants me to set the captives free and set the prisoners free. A captive, really, is somebody who's bound because of no fault of their own, really. Someone who's just been captured by no fault of their own. A prisoner, really, has been captivated because of bad choices, bad decisions. And what Jesus says, even though you may be bound by what other people have done to you, even though you may be bound through your own bad choices, I've come to set you free. Can you say amen? I've come to open up the prison door. I've come to break you free out of that. No matter how you got in there, I've come to bring liberty and freedom by the Spirit of the Lord that's on me. And what God says, he says, look, I've come to actually take away things from you for I can give you something far better. I think we lose sight of that. That often when God takes something from us, he takes something away from us so we can have something far greater, something far better. And throughout Isaiah, what Jesus quoted, Isaiah 61, he says this, I've come to take away your ashes. Why? So I can give you beauty. A crown of beauty. What are ashes? Ashes are the mistakes and the failures. And the, and, the, and the wrong decisions, the, the stuff of our past, and the ashes, and we live in regret. We, we wish we could change the things that took place to us, and we, and, we, and we live in these ashes, things of the past, the mistakes, the failings of the past, and the, the bad things, the things that we've done, and they're just ashes, and, and we live in the power of, of the past. And Jesus says, I don't want you to live in the power of your past. I don't want you to live in, in the ashes of life, the, 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 the past, the, the, the messes up, the mistakes. I don't want you to live in the power of that. But instead of the ashes, I want to take away the ashes and I want to give you a crown of beauty. I've never wore a crown. <laughs> One thing I've realised about a crown, you don't walk with a crown with your head down. Is that true? How <laughs> many can see the result of that? You know, <laughs> you know, you know have you seen the Queen? She doesn't walk like that because it's going to look, be very embarrassing. Uh, you keep your head up because that's how the crown stays on. The word beauty actually means this. The word beauty actually speaks of, of, of in a sense, that, of, of, of the fact that you have a, have a, have a purpose. It, the beauty speaks of that you were born and created for a special time. That's what the word beauty means. You are there for a special moment, a special time. It's like Esther. Royalty born for such a time as this. And God says, I want to take your ashes. Because when you live in the power of the ashes, you can't come into, 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 into what I have for you right now. You see, the past will always stop you coming into, the, in, into your newness. 
And he said, I want you to so live in the newness of your life. I want you to so live in a sense that, 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 that you have a beauty, that, that God sees you as beautiful, that God sees your beauty. God has a great purpose and destiny for your life. Don't walk around with your head down, looking down at your failures, looking down at your mistakes, but hold your head up and say, God, thank you. I'm created for such a time as this. I'm created with purpose. I'm created with meaning because you've removed all the ashes of the past. And now you bring me into a place to do amazing and awesome things in my life. Can you say amen? How many love the fact that he takes away the, the, the mourning and gives us the oil of gladness, the oil of joy? So all this says, as we give him our ashes, as we give him our past, you see, you can't experience the, the beauty of the crown as long as you're living in the ashes. But when you release the ashes, you come into the future. You come into all the beauty that God has for you. Isn't that awesome? And you, and you experience the joy. And he says that for the, for the garment of heaviness, you put on what? The garment of praise. You lay down your heaviness. You say, I, I, I refuse to allow heaviness and disappointment and discouragement to help me down. I take that garment off and instead I put on what? The incredible garments of praise. Can you say amen? The garment of praise that I want to give you. Point to me to Philippians 3.17. Philippians 3 verse 17. There are people who are living in a sense of self-indulgence and they don't realise what Jesus offered them. And in Philippians 3 verse 17. It's kind of some powerful words. It says, Brethren, join me in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a, for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you, even with weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. He's saying, you know what, I've been moved to tears. He says, because there's people who are missing out on the freedom that is theirs in Jesus. They live for their appetites. They live to indulge themselves again and again and again. And because of, because of this, they live in a sense of constant shame. And they've become enemies of the cross. They oppose the very one they need. Here's what he's saying, really, and here's the, the temptation of this. There's almost this sense that people have that if I fully surrender to Jesus, then surely there is something in life I'm going to miss out on. And often people will live that way, even as Christians. They live this way. There's not full surrender because they feel if they fully give themselves to God in the way he desires them to do, then somehow, something, they are going to miss out on life. They're going to miss out on something. Somehow, something in life is going to pass them by. Almost this sense that we, people feel they need to have control of their life. Well, here's what I'm saying this morning. God says, I've got something far more amazing I want to give to you. I want to give you something so awesome, so incredible, so amazing. But it only come when you let go of things, fully give yourself to me, and as you fully give yourself to me, then I'm able to pour in 
all that my heart has longed to do. Let me tell you what another psalm. Psalm Psalm 118. Psalm 119. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole psalm. Psalm 119, verse 32. It says, I will run the course of your commandments, for you enlarge my heart. And I kind of think, if you go down to, I think, to, if, you, if you go down a little bit to verse 45, it says, And I will walk at liberty. For I seek your precepts. See, I think the one thing that people often fail to see is the commandments of God are not burdensome or heavy. God's law, God's commandments are not something that's heavy and, and, and hard to... And, you know, it's, it's kind of... It's something we do, but we do it not very happily doing it. You know what I'm saying? What he wants to say is my commandments are wonderful. They're amazing. They're incredible. They're something you can actually take a delight in. Something you can actually enjoy doing. And he says, if you would allow my words, my commandments, to become incredibly delightful to you, then the result of that is you're brought into liberty, and liberty brings you into a wide place. You see, when we don't obey his commandments, the opposite is true. We come into a very confined place. Only would say that unforgiveness confined you. Is that true? Negativity confined you. Bitterness confined you. Offence. What you think the word you think the word offence. What's offence? Offence. Something that fences you in. And you feel confined and limited. But when I begin to say, God I just love your law. I just love... Psalm 1 says, Lord, I delight in your law. It's something that excites me. something I delight in. I don't find it something boring or heavy or something that, that I, I, I struggle... I, I don't enjoy doing. It's something I really, really enjoy it. And it says when you do that, you come into this wide open space. You know what a wide open space is? It means something you're able just to flow in. Something that's not confined. You can love. That's not, your love is not limited. Your joy is not limited. Your power in God is not limited. In other words, everything I receive from God actually grows and enlarges and, and develops and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But when I'm not obeying his law, everything gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And he says, I want you to live in a wide place. In other words, no matter how much you love, how much love you have now, how many know there's more? How much power you have now, there's more. How much joy you have now, there's more. How much peace you have now, there's more. Whatever it is, more, 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 as you begin to delight yourself in God and God's Word. As you begin to obey it and delight in it. You know, I've often said the word commandment actually means, the word co means with, and the word man means to join. In other words, we join his hand and we begin to have an incredible adventure with God. That's why we were created. So we were created 
to hold nothing back from God. We were created just to be absolutely fully giving to him. Nothing holding us back. That we can bless, we can be generous, we can be loved. There's absolutely nothing holding us back. Ask yourself this question today. If that wasn't holding you back, what would you be doing now in your life? How far would you be with God if that one thing wasn't holding you back? How different would life be? How different would things be? If it was that one thing that wasn't there. Maybe if that kind of anxiety wasn't there. If that fear wasn't there. If that unforgiveness wasn't there. How different would it be? Take that one thing and say, Lord, I'm not going to allow that any longer to hold me back. Because you called me to live a life of what? liberty and he whom the son sets free is free in thee can you say amen I love the very word vegetables remember vegetables there's one song there I think the girls just one of the songs was uh, I think it's very something like uh, pleasing you pleases me pleases you pleases me pleases you please I mean, remember that pleases you please me now that song was for adults because they realised that adults can't Parents can't understand everything. So we said this, pleasing you, please me. I thought, that's an amazing revelation. That when I please God, actually in a weird sort of way, he pleases me as well. Pleasing you pleases me. Remember Chariot of Fire? We've had that Chariot of Fire. And he says, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. Now, I must admit, I've never really felt that, but he says, when I run, he says, I feel the pleasures of God when I run. There's something delightful in just doing what God wants me to do. It brings great pleasure to me. I feel his pleasure. I feel his delight. Delight yourself in God. How many of us that's a great... You see, if what we're doing, we do because we feel we're forced to do it, there's no liberty in that. Is that true? God did not create any of us to be robots. He created us to do the things he's called us to do because we really enjoy doing it. It delights us. We get excitement from doing it. I just love that. Point so with me. I think it's... Let me just put it this way. Let me just touch on this. I was just thinking this just now. There is a danger with liberty. Liberty does not mean that means we just do what we want to do. Almost a wrong conception of grace. That actually means, actually I can live the way I want to live, say what I want to say, do what I want to do. That's not liberty or freedom. That is indulging the flesh. And and this is what Paul said. He said this, Stand fast in the liberty to which Christ has set you free and don't entangle yourself with a yoke of slavery. Paul says the grace of God, what does it do? It teaches us to say no. In other words, it enables me and empowers me to do the things that maybe I want to do. It enables me, it empowers me to keep his commandments. It enables me, grace is not about doing what you want to do. Grace is all about God empowering you, enabling you to obey his word. That's what it's about. It teaches us to say no, it enables us, it empowers us to live a life that pleases God. 
And the danger in freedom often is a danger that says, actually, that means I can do what I want to do, say what I want to do, behave the way I want to behave. Have you realised that's false grace? True grace leads us into true holiness. What's the first name of the Holy Spirit? Ever thought about that? He's a Holy Spirit. Which means that's the purpose he leads you into. He empowers you. Because you haven't realised you can't live it in your own power and strength. But the Holy Spirit empowers you to live that life that pleases him. Can you say amen? You know, I love weddings. How many love weddings? One thing about a wedding, I kind of laugh sometimes. You see the wedding. And you see the kind of, the bridegroom. And he's kind of very nervous. And he's... It's like this, and you see, almost he's, he's, he's perspiring. He's, he's like, he's, he's, he's just sweating, you know, and he's looking around, perspiring, and he's just standing there. He knows he can't look around, because that's not good to do, so he has to stand there looking, and, and usually the best man's trying to encourage him somehow. But then the, I always laugh at the bride, because when the bride comes, it's like, come on, I'm going for this, you know. <laughs> Dragging her dad down the aisle, there's just no, you know. And then suddenly... The, bride, the bridegroom turns around and he sees the beauty of the bride. He goes, wow, thank you, God. You know, it's like this, thank you. He must see his face by rough because he, what he's been looking for now is appearing before him. The point is, God says, what God says to us is actually that kind of relationship I want with you. He says that I am the bridegroom that rejoices over the bride. That's the kind of relationship it's not a relationship that, that, that we're forced to do. It's actually a relationship that comes out of love. In other words, it's not based on rules and regulations. It's born out of love. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And God says, that's the kind of relationship I want with you. A relationship that's born in love. That you do the things that I want you, that I require you to do. Not because there's something forced or something that I'm forcing you to do. But you do it simply that you love me. It's out of the, the power of love. Purity out of incredible love for him. Can you say amen? You just love him. You think about it. He says, look, would you rather have a snack or rather have a proper meal? Would you rather have McDonald's or a Michelin star? You know what I mean? Because often, we would rather sometimes have... Gareth would rather have a McDonald's, actually. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Kentucky, sorry. <laughs> but the point is that he's got so much to offer us. He's got absolutely amazing, bountiful blessings he wants to give to us. But often we choose to have a snack instead. He's like, I've got so much. All you need to do today is just allow me to follow and flow in your life. Let me close with this one. This is the second one. I haven't got time for the third one. Where's the second one? Jesus was actually performed. He was tempted to perform something spectacular. Throw yourself off that rock. Do something so amazing, so spectacular. Do some amazing performance to prove who you are. Here's the, great, here's the second thing. Many people are brought into a performance-based Christianity. And it's something the enemy will drive people into. People are lied to in trying to perform something that they get for free. 
We have to see God like a teacher. I was thinking of the day that I had a teacher called, I can still remember, I was only eight years old, but I can still remember her name now, Mrs. Sabin. I can still remember her today. Eight years of age, and I remember she was the first teacher that rolled my sleeve up and smacked me on the hand. I think it's because I, as I was writing, if you've ever known me a bit, you know my writing is not particularly good. And I remember she sort of, I think I might have wrote something after the line, I remember breaking my hand and smacked me. I tell you what, that woman was frightening. She was terrifying. She was absolutely terrified. Actually, as the story goes on, many years later, I used to do a paper round. And actually, there was a, one, it was Christmas time, there was a note on the door that says, knock on the door, which often means you get a tip. I mean, you think it's a good idea. I knocked on the door, I knew she'd come to the door, but Mrs. Savid. Now, I'm 13 now, probably 13 or 14, so she doesn't really remember me, and I'm thinking... Oh, not good. And, this, oh, and she gave me this really, really good tip. And suddenly I felt, I love Mrs. Savy from that time on. <laughs> I thought how amazing she was. But the point after we see God like some teacher saying, oh, by the way, how many chapters did you do today? You, only that amount of chapters? Well, that's not good enough. And we often get this idea that God is ticking us and, and watching our performance. And we're, we're often we're, we're trying to live a life of performance. Look at Paul's letter here to the Galatians. Some people said that Paul's letters to, to the Galatians was written to OCD Christians. And this is what he said. This is, off, this is from the message, as you realise as I read it. He says, are you going to continue in this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts that which was begun by God. And he says, because you've been living the Christian life in your own effort, by your own performance, he says, these are the results. Number one, he says, you've lost your joy. Verse 4, 15, he says, what happened to all your joy? Secondly, he says, you've lost your zeal. He says, you are running a good race. Who cut you up? And thirdly, he says, you've become critical, fighting and devouring one another. See, when you live a life of performance... You always find somebody else who doesn't do as good as you because it makes you feel better about yourself. Because there's this performance orientation. How many realise that we're not living for acceptance, we're living from acceptance. We live from a place of being accepted in the Beloved. And Jesus says, you know what? That's all I do. I choose to please Father. I only do what He tells me to do. I only say what He tells me to say. It's not about doing something to perform for Him. I'm just relying and trusting on Him. Let me give you one last verse. It's in Galatians. Christ has set us free. So take your stand, never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Jesus lived out of this sense that he was a beloved son. And he says, you know what, I live out of that sense that I am a beloved son of my father. And out of that awareness, out of that relationship, I do all that I do. I live my life out of that awareness that I'm his son. I'm accepted. I'm his son. 
and he's my father. And every way and everything I do, that's what flows out of my life. I just say with all my heart that, that when that grips your heart, that's liberty, that's freedom. It's when we lose sight of who we are, when we lose sight that we are children and sons of God, and we don't live out of a, oh, an awareness of acceptance, right there, it brings us into bondage. And you want to live in liberty. A life of liberty and freedom. For this purpose, Jesus came so that we could live a life of freedom and liberty. Should we just stand right now? Let's just come before him right now. Hallelujah. I just wonder this morning are there things today the Lord wants to set you free from? I don't believe there is nothing that Jesus can't liberate us from and set us free from. Absolutely nothing. He's the great liberator. He's the one that sets us free. There's nothing today that he can't liberate us from and set us free from. Because that's what he came for. He came to bring liberation. He came to bring freedom. And maybe you're here today. And you can look and say, you know what? There's things that are holding me today. Things that bind me. Things that limit me. Things that hold me down. Things that push me down. Things that hold me back. And Jesus comes today to liberate and to break every chain. And maybe you're here today and you don't even know Jesus. You don't know him as your Lord and Saviour. You don't know what it is to live in the liberty as a son of God. You don't know him as a son. And first I want to do that this morning. If you don't know Jesus, I just want to pray a prayer. If you don't know him this morning, just pray this prayer with me from your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you today for dying for me. And Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my sin before you and I ask you to forgive me in your name please cleanse me now and I invite you into my life to be my Lord and to be my saviour thank you that now you've given me the opportunity to become a brand new creature Lord thank you for what you've done in my life I receive you now into my life as as my my Lord and saviour in Jesus name if you pray that prayer today, we'd kind of love to pray for you afterwards, so make sure you see us. Just as we're worshipping today, if you need prayer this morning, and there's something, say, so you know what, today, this is the day where a chain is going to break. This is the day. Maybe it's even a chain of sickness today. And we'd love to break that chain in Jesus' name. And if there's some chain or something today, and you're coming to a place of liberty and freedom, That's what Jesus has come to do, to bring you to lead liberty and freedom. He comes to break the power of sin. Isn't that wonderful? He doesn't come to lead you into sin. He comes to break you free from sin. And if there's things that grip you and hold you, I declare today that Jesus has the power to set you free. If you need prayer this morning, we'd love to pray for you. May be nothing... Just something you say, Lord, today, would you touch that area of my life today?
that you've come and break that chain. Jesus. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elim Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.